All right, if you've got your program, open up to the outline. If you're watching online, I hope you've printed off the outline uh, so that you can fill these in. Uh, so many people came up to me after the service, first service and said, that was, so, that was just for me. I really need to hear that. You have no idea how many people in my life this applies to. I assume they mean they have a lot of crazy makers in their life. Um, and, in fact, several people even said, could you teach this to the high schoolers, please? Could you teach this to my middle schooler? My middle schooler needs us so much. Uh, so we'll work, on, we'll work on that. In the next two weeks, we're going to be winding down our, our series on unmasking relationships. Um, we've called this timeless relationship truths in the new normal. Um, but these are things that God wrote down thousands of years ago. It's amazing how it still applies to our life. Today, I want to take us through some of the steps that kind of summarize, steps from the Bible that kind of summarize what to do with people in your life who drive you a little crazy. I call them the crazy makers of life. Dave Ramsey has a saying, he says, crazy people will make you crazy, especially if you move them into your house with you. So uh, <laughs> he doesn't recommend doing that. Before we look at these steps, though, I want us to just talk about, pause and discuss some different kinds of people that are difficult to deal with, different kinds of people that can drive us crazy. I could have given you about a list of a hundred of these, um, but I just want to talk about kind of the six most common ones. If you've got your outline there, these are the six, these are different people that we have to work with, that we have to go to school with, that Maybe they're in our neighborhoods. They're certainly in our HOA meetings. Um, the people that uh, maybe um, are at the soccer field, I, I guarantee you're there at the Little League games. Uh, they're all over the community. They're even in the church. Okay, people, how do we deal with these difficult, different kinds of difficult people? The kinds of people who drive us crazy. I'm going to hit these very, very fast. Number one is demanding people. Will you fill that in? Demanding people in our life, those are the little, the little dictators of life, the little Napoleons. They're bossy. They're pushy. They're always trying to control every area of their life and everybody's life around them. They're intimidating sometimes. They dominate every conversation. Um, they, oh, I forgot to warn you. Uh, as you're writing these down, don't put anybody's name next to these, okay? You can think about them all you want. You can even kind of look at your spouse, and the, he, he knows who's in your family like that. You, know, you can give them an eyebrow. But don't write any names down. These, these, you never know where these will end up. You don't want this on Facebook later. So people will be analyzing, who's a, whose handwriting is that? Um, these are the kind of people, these demanding people, they turn every conversation into a power struggle. And they, they're good at making unrealistic demands on your life, on your schedule, on your time. And they just push, push, push. The second one I want you to jot down is disapproving people. Disapproving people. These are the people I call the nitpickers. They are picky, picky, picky. They are highly critical. Your best is never good enough. They always want more from you. They have a tendency to be negative. They have a tendency to be judgmental. They're unpleasable. They're perfectionists, at least the perfectionists about everything in your life. They, they love to point out your mistakes. Disapproving people, no matter what you do, is just never good enough, and it drives you crazy. The nitpickers of life. The third group is the deafening people. The deafening people are the loud mouths. 
These people, they don't have a megaphone. They don't need a megaphone. They're just the mega, they naturally megaphone it. They talk at about 120 decibels. And if you've got a megaphone on the telephone on the other end, you're never getting off that phone in like 15 or 20 minutes because they just keep talking, talking, talking. They talk until you surrender. So you cry and go, okay, okay, I give in. You've, you've, you've worn me down, right? You've, I give up. They love to argue. Number four are destructive people. Destructive people, these are the people who have uncontrolled anger. They're the volcanoes of life. They, they have, we all have kind of those volcano people in our life. You just never know when they're going to explode. It's like Mount St. Helens. And when they explode, oh my goodness, everybody knows. It's like there's just hot lava, scorched earth all around them. You have a tendency, if you have these people in your life, you have a tendency to walk around on eggshells. You kind of tiptoe through the office. You kind of tiptoe around, you know, the family reunion. There are those people that, that are very di- difficult. They're destructive. Number five is discontented people. Discontented people. These are people that seem to get their feelings hurt very easily. They're very thin-skinned. They whine a lot. They're the crybabies of life. We all know crybabies. Again, don't write any names down. They have a daily pity party. They're, they're the chronic complainers. They have a martyr complex. And, and they get their attention by whining. And it just is like, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard, isn't it? It just drives you a little crazy. They're never happy. Last one is demeaning people. Demeaning people. These are the people who, they're just mean they're the smart mouths. They're the ones who are always running off of the mouth. They're rude and they're insulting. And they use caustic language. A lot of times they use a whole lot of curse words. But more than just cussing and complaining, they're, they're also the bubble busters of life. They like, they're the dream crushers. They like to, whatever idea you have, whatever plan you have, they're the ones that all say, you'll never be able to do that. They just want to pop, pop your bubble. They like to tear the dreams down, love to deflate you. They love to tear you down. These are the people in our lives that tend to drive us a little bit crazy. I want to talk today, spend most of our time, don't worry, we're going to get out on time. I I budgeted time for Pastor Rich and I to have that discussion. I know some of you clock watchers, you're already going, oh my goodness, he he started so late. We're going to, I can't hold it that long, Pastor Jerry. I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go. It's okay. We weak bladdered people, relax. Um, we'll, we'll get there. So what's nice about being at home and watching online, you put pause and go get yourself a coffee or, you know, make a latte, whatever. Um, so glad that you're here. Glad you're back. Welcome back. And um, we will uh, we'll get done pretty close to on time. So I want to deal with, I want to talk about not what Jerry says is the reaction that we should have to these people. Because I would, quite frankly, I would, I would be a lot easier on you than what the Bible says. Because the Bible tells us how to deal with these people. And I have to warn you a little bit that I've discovered, uh, although these are going to be very easy words to write down, and they're simple to understand, I'm not going to have to really explain these steps to you. You're going to know, oh, boy, are these hard. And number one is difficult, but I've got to warn you, I've found in my life, dealing with all the crazy people in my life, the crazy makers in my life, that every step gets a little bit harder. Number two is harder than number one. And number three is harder and more difficult than number two. And number four, and if we make it to number five, 
Um, every single step gets harder and harder as you go up this mountain of dealing with crazy, the crazy makers in life according to what the Bible says. So I want you to jot these down. If you've never taken notes before, I promise you this is a day it would be worth your time to grab a click the pen and, uh, and let's, let's write these down together. How to keep crazy people, the crazy makers, from making me crazy. Number one, I refuse to be offended. I refuse to be offended. We all know what that means. We all know how difficult this is. What this means is we don't take it personally. Even though they might make it personal, they might intend to to person make it personal or about us. No matter what they say, no matter what they do, no matter how outrageous their behavior is or how they act or react or how they look at us, that look they give us, whatever their body language is. You know, when people are rude, it really reveals more about themselves than it does about you. They're telling you what's in them, not what's in you. And when people are mean, when people are controlling, they're not really saying anything about you. What they're telling everybody is, is it's a, this is about me. It says who they are. It tells you what their problem is. So don't be offended because it's really not about you. They're just a crazy maker. And the reality is, there's a whole lot that we could be offended by in life when it comes to personal relationships. And what God wants to say to all of us in our personal relationships, when you're, when you're tempted to be forgiven, what God wants to say is to get over it. Like I said last week, Elsa, the great theologian, says, let it go, let it go. God says, let that go as much as you can. Try to not be offended by other people. Pastor Rich mentioned this early on in this series. As much as it's up to you, live at peace with everyone else. In other words, if we wanted to, we could go through life with such thin skin that we get offended by just about everything. And I got to tell you, if you go through life with thin skin and you're offended by just about everything, you're going to be unhappy most of your life. There's a lot of that going on right now, folks. There's a lot of people with thin skin that are offended about every little thing. It doesn't matter what you post. Oh, my goodness, it offends them, freaks them out. You know, so don't post. I mean, you, you just can't really post anything. You know, I saw an argument the other day about somebody posted what they were feeding their cat. Oh, my goodness. It was like, you can't feed your cat that. Oh, that's cruelty. And, and then you got people, I mean, it's like, I don't even have a cat, but I'm just with popcorn. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good, you know. I'm just, I'm just reading all these, all, all these arguments. And, and, I mean, it doesn't matter what you feed your cat. Somebody's against it. Have you figured this out? I don't even have a cat. There are people very upset with me that I don't. They're offended. You don't have a cat. No, I don't know what to feed it, you know. And I can't tell by this very long string of very argumentative people. So we've got to learn that emotional and spiritual maturity is largely determined by how we treat those who mistreat us. You are going to be mistreated today, not this week. Today you're going to be mistreated by the end of the day. And we've got to figure out how am I going to, we're going to measure my maturity emotionally and spiritually is largely on how do I respond or how do I treat those who mistreat me? How do I treat those who misunderstand me? Do I try to get even? They hit me, I hit them back. 
They hurt me, I hurt them back. They insult me, I insult them back. If they get angry at me, I get angry back. Well, then I'm no better than they are. Emotional and spiritual maturity is determined by my reaction to the people in my life who try to hurt me. How do I handle those kinds of people? And one of the keys to happiness is we need to develop thicker skin. Christians especially need to develop thicker skin and just not be so offended by so many things. In fact, we need to pray, God, give me thick skin and a tender heart. Usually the world gives us the opposite. You spend long enough in the world, you spend long enough in middle school, and middle school doesn't really change that much in adulthood, and you end up with a tough heart in thin skin. And God says, no, 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 I want you to always have a tender heart. But you can ask God, God, give me, some, give me a tender heart, but give me some thicker, some thicker skin. We need our skin to be a little thicker. So everything that happens doesn't set us off. Everything doesn't offend us. We don't always get upset every time somebody says something against us or against our kind or against our favorite or against our, you know, our party or against our whatever. When somebody looks cross-eyed at you on the highway or they, they give you the, the finger, you know that finger, number, you're number one. That's what they're saying. You're number one. You know, they flip you off. It, doesn't, it just doesn't bother you because you realize this is about them. When somebody's rude, you know, that clerk that's a jerk, um, you, you know, you look at it and you just go, oh, they're having a bad day. They're having a tough day. And, and we need to get a little thicker skin. How do you do that? How do you keep from taking personal offense to the people who maybe drive you a little crazy in life? How do I not get upset about these people? Well, the first thing to do is to consider the source. Oh, they're obviously a crazy maker. This person, they don't get it. You know, that, and the Bible says, you ignore them. Now, don't take my word for this. This isn't what Jerry says to do. This is what the Bible says. Look what it says. It says Proverbs twelve sixteen: A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Now, I want everybody to circle wise person. And some of you may need to circle fool. I don't know. A fool is quick-tempered. Is that you? I want to circle it. But a wise person stays calm when insulted. When we're wise, he says, if we're wise, we will ignore the insult. If we respond insult to insult, the Bible says we're a fool. It says that's dumb. We know what that word really means. It's stupid. I know some of you don't like the stupid word. But he says it's not wise. A fool, if a fool is annoyed, everybody knows when a fool is annoyed. The whole room knows. In other words, if somebody hurts me, I hurt them back. God says that's foolish. They make a tacky statement at me, I make a tacky statement at them. They make a post about me, I make a post about them. Why do wise people ignore an insult? Because they look behind the behavior. They consider the source. Oh, that's just a crazy maker. I'm not going to take it personally. Even though they meant it personally, I'm not going to take it that way. Number two, step number two. This is more difficult as we go. I don't wait for an apology to forgive them. I don't wait for an apology to forgive them. I think many of us have difficult people to deal with in our lives who have done some crazy and some hurtful things to us, or maybe more importantly, crazy and hurtful things to people that we love 
I mean, if somebody hurts your spouse, if somebody does something that hurts your kids, man, the monster that comes out of us, you know, Mama Bear just starts ripping everybody apart, doesn't she? And in our minds, we think, well, you know, I I know the Christian thing is to forgive. So, Jerry, I, I will. I will forgive them. Eventually, I'll forgive them. I'll forgive them as soon as they give me an apology. The right kind of apology with the right tone and no eye rolling. And you got your whole list of what makes an apology acceptable for you. Then, and only then, will I start the forgiveness process to forgive them. The problem with that is we are still holding on to the hurt. And I can't tell you how many Christians I've met that this is their excuse. They're like, well, don't worry, Pastor. I'm going to forgive him and him and him and her and her and them and them and they and they and all that whole group. I'm going to forgive all of them. When they finally apologize the right way with the right tone, with no eye roll, then I'll start forgiving. And in the meantime, you go through life as a Christian with all this built-up bitterness and animosity to all those people. And you think you're okay because, hey, I'm willing to forgive as soon as they do their part and apologize. And you're the one. That's going through life with all this poison. They may never say they're sorry. Let me tell you, they probably will never say they're sorry because they're a crazy maker. They just do this. They don't even know. In fact, if you go to them and you say, hey, what you did offended me. It hurt my feelings. They don't they don't get it. They don't care. And what they say next is probably going to hurt you even more. You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't be offended. You know, in fact, you think that offends you? Let me tell you this. This is really going to offend you. They got their hand on their hip. They just, they just, they're good at this. So we end up, we end up holding on to all this resentment because we can't make peace with everybody, and they've long since forgotten it. They're not losing any sleep. You're thinking, oh, I bet they feel guilty for hurting my feelings. They don't feel guilty at all. They didn't even realize it. Because they're kind of a crazy maker. So never hold on to that hurt. Because resentment tears you up. It's not hurting them for us to resent them. Resentment is like us drinking poison, hoping it will kill them. It doesn't matter how much poison you drink, it won't hurt them. You got that, right? Bitterness is poison. The more bitter, the more resentment we pour into our lives aimed at them. We think, oh, we're going to show them. I'm going to kill myself with resentment and bitterness, and I'll really show you. And they don't get it. So we as Christians have to say, you know what? Even before they say anything, even before they ask for forgiveness, even before anything else happens, right here, right now. In fact, you could do this today. You're already thinking of that person. You're saying, I'm going to choose to forgive. Not because they deserve it, not because they even know about it. I'm going to choose to forgive because this bitterness is tearing me up inside. You see, we have a hard time forgiving the crazy makers in our life. We think, I think we all struggle with forgiving them. But what we've got to do, the Bible says, is the way you forgive people who are difficult in your life is you've got to remember that God forgave you. Don't take my word for this. It's in Colossians 3.13. I've got to remember the great gift of forgiveness. Because it says, make allowances for each other's faults. And forgive 
the crazy maker who offends you. Forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That word, make allowance, in the Greek means to bear with, to endure, to be tolerant of. So basically, this verse is saying, hey, you need to cut people some slack because God cut you a lot of slack. Jesus is the one, our Savior is the one who said, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. So if I want God's mercy, if I want God's blessing in my life, by the way, anybody want God's blessing in your life? Is anybody praying, God, whatever you do, just don't bless me. Whatever happens, Lord, I just don't want you to bless me. Please don't bless me. Is that anybody's prayer? No, we all want God's blessing. Well, one of the ways we receive blessing is we offer mercy. Blessed are the merciful. They will receive mercy, and it also keeps us from being torn up by resentment. So we don't wait for them to apologize to forgive them. Third thing, third step we take. And again, this is another level of difficulty. You know, it's like those video games you play. Every level gets more difficult. Number three, I I refuse to play their game. I refuse to play their game. I, I refuse to be offended. I don't wait for an apology to forgive them. I start that forgiveness process now. But I got to refuse to engage. I got to refuse to play this game. Crazy makers love to argue. And they love to debate. Because they love to get our attention. They are so good at trolling you online and they hook you and get you involved. And we fall for this trap. Because here's what, here's what we do. We think to ourselves, man, if I could just logically explain to them, if I could just, if I could just explain to them kind of the facts of whatever it is, or if I, Christians would do this, if I could show them a Bible verse and explain to them, and I could just logic with them a little bit, then being a light bulb, it would go on. I just know this would happen, Pastor. If I could, you just give me a few minutes with them, and I could tell them the truth, and the truth, boom, the light bulb would go on, and they would realize how self-destructive they are. They would realize how inappropriate their behavior was. They would realize that well, what they said hurt people. If I could just reason with them, they'll say, Oh, yes, Pastor Jay, thank you so much for pointing out my blind spot. Thank you so much for helping me with this big area of, of, of problem in my... But they never see that because they're a crazy maker. And here's the point. Crazy makers don't typically come to their position through reason or through facts or certainly through Bible verses. They come to their position where they're at based on emotion. They feel angry, they lash out in anger. They feel threatened, they attack. They feel, 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 they launch, launch, launch. So when we come up and go, well, you know, the Bible says, <laughs> this isn't going to help them, okay? Well, you know, doctor, you know, so-and-so says, it isn't going to help them. Because they didn't get to that place by reason. So reasoning with them is not going to be what helps. What we've got to do is disengage and refuse to play this game. The reason this is important because the crazy makers in our lives, they, they use conflict to get our attention. 
everybody has a deep need to be loved, a deep need for attention. We talked about this, approval and attention, a couple of weeks ago. And if I can't get your approval, if I can't get your, your love, then I will get your attention. You see this in teenagers all the time, whether it's good or bad, attention. You know, a teenager, if they can't get mom and dad's approval, if they can't get mom and dad's love, well, they'll do something usually to get their attention by their bizarre behavior, bizarre lifestyle, bizarre clothing, bizarre habits, whatever it is. Because what, what we won't do is we won't be ignored. We're going to get attention. If it, it can't get positive attention, we'll, we'll settle for negative attention. Proverbs twenty six twenty one says it this way. A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. The person that likes to just keep stoking the fire, they like to just keep the argument going. They want to engage us. They, they want to get us to retaliate. They are the provokers in life. They find their meaning, they find their purpose, they find their value by getting people upset and by arguing with them. Don't play this game. Don't get drawn into it. Don't repost. Don't respond. Just close up the laptop. You know, just disengage from social media. Just walk away. How many people does it take to argue? It takes two people. So when one of us, and we just go, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to play this game. I'm just not going to respond, even to question mark, question mark, question mark. You just disengage. Then the fire will go out. So don't engage with the quarrelsome person. You refuse to play the game. Number four, and this is where I want to offer you some hope. This is a hard one, but I want you to know that this is one. The fourth step to dealing with the crazy makers in your life once you've refused to play the game is I also refuse to cave in. I refuse to give in to their demands, to give in to what they want. Because that's the problem, right? Sometimes with the crazy makers in our life, we just get, because we played the game, we get worn down, and then we just feel like, whatever, I'm just going to give in. We think giving them their own way will make things better. But really it just reinforces very bad behavior. The people who are demanding, demeaning, derogatory, deafening, destructive, discontented, disapproving, these crazy makers we're talking about, you got to refuse to give in to them, to cave in. Because if you allow them to keep manipulating your life, loving is not allowing people to manipulate you, the loving thing. It's unloving to you. It's unloving to God. God does not want you to give in to the manipulation of other people. They're going to pout. They're going to demean. They're going to whatever they're going to do. You say, yeah, but Jerry, I thought we were Christians. You just said we had to forgive. Didn't we just talk about forgiving and, and, and love and forgiveness? Forgiveness and trust are two different things. We've talked about this before. Yes, I can forgive for me, for my relationship with God. I can forgive and decide to forgive right away. Maybe even instantly I can decide to forgive. Trust is something that takes time and has to be earned back. In other words, when someone hurts you, 
God wants you to forgive them, but he doesn't want you to continue to keep yourself in a position to be hurt, 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 more, more, more. So deciding to forgive can be instant. Trust is built over time. Forgiveness doesn't mean when you hurt me that I forgive, but I'm going to keep letting you hurt me. Those are two different issues. And this is where you kind of, you kind of take a stand and you refuse to, to cave in. You set up those boundaries. The Bible teaches us not to give in to the crazy makers. Now, this not only happens to us, this also happened to Jesus. Okay, so we're going to follow his example. Again, this isn't my idea. This is the Bible's directive. Jesus, people are always trying to restrict Jesus. Um, they would say, well, what Jesus is doing or what Jesus is saying offends us. Did you know that Jesus offended people? Lots of people. I mean, you can imagine this, right? He came here. And he, he loves the little children, he feeds the poor, he heals the sick. These are all very offensive things. You see what I mean? You can do all the right things and you still offend people. Good grief, you could be Jesus and offend people because Jesus was Jesus and he offended people so much they hung him on a cross. So this isn't new. You can do everything perfectly, and you will, you will hack off so many crazy makers. They will be so offended by you because you're perfect or for any other reason they want. So here's the thing. Uh, Jesus, he kept the Sabbath. He knew the Heavenly Father took a Sabbath on the seventh day. Jesus respected the Sabbath, but he did not respect all their little, little, tiny, itty-bitty extra rules they threw on about the Sabbath. So here's what happens in Matthew 15. So the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, Lord, do you realize that you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Now imagine, here's the disciples coming to the Son of God, creator of the universe. He says, Lord, you might want to reconsider that one. You know, I mean, what you just said, that's a little radical. That's a little over the top. I mean, love everybody. Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, Jesus, what you said is just a little too edgy for these people. You might want to tone it down a little bit, Jesus, because you are offending the religious leaders, these religious people. Do you realize you've offended some religious people? Now, you know what Jesus' response to this is? I'll read you the verse again. I'm going to replace the word Pharisees with the word crazy maker. The disciples came to Jesus. They asked him, Lord, do you realize that you offended the crazy makers by what you just said? And Jesus said this. Jesus says, every plant not planted by my father will be rooted up. Ignore them. So ignore them. Circle that. Put a star by that. Ignore them. Underline that. Jesus says, ignore the legalists who try to bind you under religious bondage. Don't pay any attention to them. Don't allow them to bind you to what their expectations are. We talked about expectations the last two weeks. So you say, I'm not going to play your game, but I'm going to refuse to cave in. He says, ignore them. Because even God can't please everybody like we talked about a few weeks ago. You might argue, well, God can do anything. God can please everybody if you want to. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't please everybody. So only a fool would try to do what even God can't do. If, God, if, if I can't please everybody, you can't please everybody. God, God says, don't even try to please everybody. Here's one more step. This is the hardest one, if we get this far. Not only do I not cave in, but I have to take the high ground. I always take the high ground. What does that mean? 
the high road. Well, that means you've got to do the right thing whether they do it or not. Let's just be honest. They're not. Okay? So you've got to do the right thing even when they don't do the right thing. If they insult us, we treat them with kindness. If they are unloving to you, you be loving to them. If they are resentful to you, you be forgiving to them. If they are mean to you, you be nice to them. We always take the high ground, the high road, no matter what the crazy makers do, and they're probably not going to do the right thing. Always, always, always take the high ground. Now, you cannot control what other people think. You cannot control what other people say. You cannot control what other people post. You've learned that. You cannot control what other people do to you. We cannot control any of those issues. But we have 100% control, even though it doesn't seem like it most of the time. We have 100% control over how we respond. And we need to own that 100% control. Because too many Christians, too many people use it as an excuse. We say, well, they made me mad. Or they made me say that. Or they made me react. Or they made me lose my temper, blow up, whatever it is that you, they made you do. Reality is, they didn't make you do any of those things. We chose to do those things. Because we forgot we have 100% control over how we respond. You see, we didn't disengage. We played their game. We didn't set up the boundaries and say... I, I'm not going to cave in. And now we're they're pushing our buttons. Didn't we do one on who's pushing your buttons? They're pushing your buttons. And when you react, oh, no. We are much better to respond with grace and love and kindness. Why do we do that? Because this pleases our Heavenly Father. Let me tell you, Romans 12. Romans 12 is one of the great chapters of the Bible. Of the 15 top chapters in the whole Bible, Romans 12 is one. Romans 8, Romans 12, Ephesians 1, John 15. There's so many great chapters of the Bible. This is like one of the top 15 chapters of the whole Bible is Romans 12. We started, we started transformation, started talking about renewing your mind. Look what it says later in Romans 12:14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Oh, wait a minute. You say, well, Jerry, I don't think I have anybody persecuting me. Well, let's change a couple words. Scratch out persecuting me and put in makes you crazy. Now let's read it. Bless those who make you crazy. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. What? I got to pray that the people who make me crazy, that God will bless them? I mean, I've been praying for them, Jerry. I mean, I was hoping when those clouds came in, we'd see some lightning bolts. I've been praying for that. But you're telling me I got to pray that God will bless them. Exactly. God says to bless them, pray that he'll bless them, not curse them. The people who irritate you, the people that make you crazy. Right there, that verse says, that's the definition of real love. See, real love isn't loving people who are lovable like you. I mean, you look around the room, this room's full of just lovable people. I'm easy to love, you're easy to love. You're easy to love because you're cool, I'm easy to love, I'm cool. We're talking about all those people that are not so cool, that are difficult to love. God's saying that's real love. Is when you love the unlovely, when you love the volcano in your life, when you love the person who's lashing out at you. It's real love is loving the person who in that moment spitting in your face. You're not backing down. You're not playing their game. You're not doing fire with fire. 
Instead, you're responding with love, real love. Later in Romans 12, 17 and 18, it says, Never pay back evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That's the verse Rich quoted earlier in this series. Down, drop down to verse 21. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. What would happen if I actually did what the Bible said in all of my relationships, especially with the crazy makers? Because this isn't what you're taught in school. This isn't what you're taught in school of hard knocks. This isn't what you're taught in America, in, in America's society and culture. I mean, what you're taught is if somebody punches you, you punch them back, but you punch them back harder. What you're taught is when, when somebody hits you, you hit them back. You don't get mad, you get even. What if the people in our lives who are demanding and destructive and discontented and demeaning and disapproving, what if uh, instead of doing that, I, I just refuse to take that personally? And, and I decided I'm not going to wait for them to apologize. I'm going to forgive them. And, and I, I'm not going to play their game. I'm going to refuse to get engaged. And, and I'm going to set up some boundaries. I'm going to refuse to cave in. And I'm going to learn to take the high road and respond in love to them rather than in kind to them. I'm going to be kind rather than respond in kind. What happens if you do that? You want to know what happens if you do that? You get the smile of God on your life. Proverbs 16, 7, when people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Wow. As your pastor who loves you, I want that verse for your life. I want that to be true. I want you to respond to people in such a way that it pleases God so much that he puts your enemies at peace with you. All right, we're out of time. Let's pray and ask God to help us with this. As I pray this prayer, I want you to just say, yeah, me too, me too, me too. Any line that you want to apply to your prayer, just say, me too, God. You can follow me in this prayer as, as I pray for all of us. Father, you know the difficult, irritating people in our lives, the crazy makers. Me too, me too. You know who they are, Lord. So I'm asking you that even when they mean to hurt us, that you'll use it for good in our lives. We want to learn to respond to them the way Jesus does. Yes, me too, me too. God, I want to be spiritually and emotionally mature. Can you make that your prayer? God, I want to be spiritually and emotionally mature, so help me to practice these steps this week. And dear Lord, when people do things that offend me, help me to not take it personally. Help me to have a tender heart and tough skin and just not get offended so much by what people say or the way they look at me. Help me to look past the offensive behavior to see the fear or the hurt or the pain or the insecurity in their lives that's causing it. God, please give me wisdom in my relationships. And right now, without them even asking, I choose to forgive that crazy maker in my life. I choose to forgive them right now, Lord. Help me to forgive them right now. Give me the strength to stand strong where I need to stand strong and to not let other people manipulate me. Father, I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of their games. I'm tired of caving in. Help me. Help me, Holy Spirit, not to allow what I know to be good to be talked about 
poorly. Give me the courage to speak up and to stand up for what's right in my life and in the lives of other believers. In all my responses, Lord, help me to take the high ground, to show love, to return good for evil. Lord, there's obviously no way I can implement a message like this with these very difficult steps on my own. So, Jesus Christ, I need you in my life. I need your power in my life to do this. So I ask you to come into every area of my life, to take control of every part of my life, and, yes, to transform me. As we head into this transformation series, Lord, please transform me in every area of my life. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Hey, everyone. So glad you can join us online for another great Sunday morning. Hey, if you're already thinking about your Easter plans, I wanted to let you know what we have going on here. We have three Easter services all streamed online at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. on Easter Sunday. I really hope that you would join us. You're also welcome to gather with us in person. Just head on over to the website, and you'll see a place to reserve your seat on the homepage. We just ask that you reserve your seat so that we can be sure to keep the campus as safe for you as possible and have plenty of room for everyone to socially distance. Well, thanks again for being with us. I hope that you have a great and blessed rest of your weekend. Bye.